Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. You may be seated. Welcome to Valley Point Church. Good morning to you and happy St. Patrick's Day. It really is good to see you and good to see so many of you wearing green. It's lovely, right? It's good. Well, thank you for being here. I want to talk to you a little bit about our walking path for today, just so you have a sense of where we're going and you'll be able to follow along with me. I want to begin today by sharing some fun facts with you about the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. We're going to spend some time in that book and walk through several different verses and then key in on one in particular. In order to understand it, though, and in order to really get it, I want to share just some context with you, some fun facts about this book. After that, I will give to you a big idea which will shape and form our conversation and hopefully be helpful to everybody as we move through our time. After that, we're going to go back to the text. We're going to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and in particular, I'm going to key in on verse 12. And I hope this is a verse you come to love because it has great information to share with us about personal purpose. We're going to think through that a little bit today. What does God want for me? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Well, verse 12 gives us a lot of information about that. And so if you are wondering about personal purpose, if you've ever been asking, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And you're still trying to figure that out a bit. Well, verse 12 is going to give us a little bit of information about God's ideal for us. So we'll spend some time back in the text And then I will end with our usual helpful takeaways. Okay? Does that make sense? This is where we're going to walk today. And I want you to know that up front. Some fun facts about 1 Timothy chapter 4 and about Timothy and the writer of that book. A big idea that will shape the conversation. We're going to really key in on verse 12. It's amazing. And then I'll have some takeaways to share with you. If you have a Bible or a device, I would love for you to find the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. The best way to find that is if you have a Bible to start with the back and go to the ending book of the New Testament, which is the book of Revelation. If you keep turning to the left, eventually you'll bump into, hey Jude... It's a real book in the Bible, not just a song, but it's a book, and it's an amazing book. I'd encourage you to read it. If you keep turning to the left, you'll find the book of 2 Timothy, and then eventually 1 Timothy, I'm going to begin reading chapter 4, verse 7. Out of respect for God and his word, will you stand with me as I read? Here are the words of God to us. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And all who hate running and exercise said, Amen. (laughs) Go godliness. It's a good thing. Verse 9. 
This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. And here's verse 12, this key verse. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. These are God's words given to us in love. You may be seated. 1 Timothy is an incredible book, and let me give you some fun facts just so that we have some context on this particular book and why we're spending time reading it today. First of all, 1 Timothy is a book written by the Apostle Paul. Paul is a prolific writer of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of other books and sent letters to other leaders, and we get the benefit of reading that information and what he had to share. 1 Timothy is one of the books that the Apostle Paul wrote. Secondly, 1 Timothy is written to a young leader named, anybody want to guess? Timothy, Timmy, Tim. It's a book to him. And what we know about Timothy is he was a young leader in a church in a real city called Ephesus. Paul, at this particular stage of his career, was an experienced apostle. He was the wise sage, and he had a lot of good information to share about Christ and about leading and about the church and how churches could be effective in sharing the truth about Jesus and how he matters and how he can change and transform lives. Paul had all of this information inside of him, and he now begins to share that with a young leader named Timothy, who was leading a church in Ephesus. This church was a mess. It had a lot of problems. Organizationally, it was in trouble. And so, Paul, an experienced apostle, this wise sage, begins to give all of this information to a young leader. Thirdly, Paul wrote 1 Timothy from Macedonia in approximately 62 or 63 AD. So that's the time frame there. And all of those of you who love historical information, you should feel really happy because you now know when the book was written a long time ago. But that's some context for when it was written. And I want to show you a map of where you can find Ephesus It's important when we think about this, Ephesus was a real city. It really was. Timothy, a real person, not some made-up figure. Paul, a real person, not just a person that is part of a story. He's a real person. Timothy, a real person. Ephesus, a real city. It exists in what is modern-day Turkey. So we're dealing with real people and real places. And again, this particular church was in a lot of trouble 
Paul, the experienced apostle, is giving good information to a young leader. Okay, one more fun fact. What is the purpose of the book of 1 Timothy? I think it's really important whenever we are talking or studying scripture, whenever we're discussing it, you have to know the purpose of every book. There's a lot of books in the Bible, and every one of them has a distinct purpose. And when we read and when we study, we have to know what is the purpose of this book? Why was it written? Because everything within that book will in some way point to that purpose. So we have to know why is this particular book written and and what's the context behind it. So here is the purpose of the book of 1 Timothy, and I would encourage you to take out your talk notes, grab a pen, and let's fill in some blanks. Here we go. The purpose of 1 Timothy, Paul instructs Timothy regarding life in the local church. It's the purpose of the book. Paul, this experienced apostle, is instructing Timothy about life in the local church. That's the basic purpose, helping Timothy as he leads this church. When you get underneath it a little bit more, and when you read all of 1 Timothy, you will discover that the church had an order problem. Things were really chaotic. And so Paul instructs Timothy about bringing order to the church. And he also talks to him about helping the church to stand on pure and sound doctrine. So that's some more purpose behind the book. But ultimately, the basic purpose is Paul's instructing Timothy regarding life in the local church. He's saying, Timothy, help the church. Help the church. That's what I need you to do in Ephesus, and that's why I'm writing this letter to you to give you good information about how you can help the church. Now, why think through all of this? Why dig into the context of 1 Timothy? Why consider dates? Why talk about the author and the purpose? Why do all of this? Well, we're in week three of a series called Made, and the premise of this series is that God made us on purpose, which is really a beautiful thought. Each and every one of us, God made us on purpose. And he made us for a purpose. So God made us on purpose and God made us for a purpose. In week one of the series, when I introduced this, I shared three sentences, three thoughts about how God views us Because we have to keep reminding ourselves, God made me on purpose. I am not a mistake. I am not an accident. God has a distinct purpose for making me on purpose, on purpose. We have to continually say that to ourselves. And so I shared these three phrases and encouraged everybody to write them down. I've been reviewing them in my own mind. They are great phrases to repeat whenever we feel we're not good enough or strong enough or smart enough or whatever the case may be. Here's how God views us. You matter to God. You matter to God. And God loved you enough to send his only son. And you are made in God's image. Right? This is how God sees us. He made us on purpose. You matter to God. And God loved you enough to send his only son and you are made in his image. I believe these are truth statements that help us understand and know that I have been made on purpose. 
But God also made us for a purpose. There's something that he wants us to accomplish. And so when we dig into 1 Timothy chapter 4, we understand that God's purpose for Timothy, and Paul helps him to understand this, God's purpose for Timothy was to help the church establish order, help them stand on sound and pure doctrine. Timothy, this is God's purpose for you. I believe thinking through all of this helps us in two specific ways. Number one, maybe it's been a while since you've thought about your personal purpose. Why am I here? And what am I supposed to be doing? Well, I want to dust that off a little bit today because God created you for a purpose. And that's going to come to life when we dig into verse 12 again. So maybe it's been a long time since you've considered your personal purpose and why am I here? What am I doing? We want to look at that once again. And then secondly, if you are here and you are young, if you're in middle school or high school, or college, or maybe you're on the other side of some of that and you're just beginning life and beginning a new career, I want you to know that God has a specific purpose for you. So personal purpose isn't just for old people. It's really not. It's for all of us. And scholars tell us that Timothy, again, Paul is writing to a young leader in the church. Scholars tell us that Timothy was probably in his late 20s or early 30s when Paul gave this information to him, that helps us to know that God is not afraid of youth. God's not afraid of youth at all. And we see this throughout scripture. We see it demonstrated in people like Joseph and David and Josiah, a young king, in Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was just a teenager when she gave birth to the promised one and to Timothy as well. So if if you are young and you're in the room, I'm so glad you're here. You need to know that God has a purpose for you. Now, if you're in the middle years, God has a purpose for you. If you're in your senior years, well, God still has a purpose for you. And so I'm glad we're all here together and we get the chance to discuss this. Okay, those are all the fun facts let me share with you a big idea. Here we go. God made me to make a difference. That's how God made me, and that's how God made you. God made me to make a difference. Now, I actually have two big ideas to share today, and I will say to you, in all of my years of teaching, I've never given two big ideas. I don't know if you can even do that, I don't know if it's a good idea. We're in uncharted territory today, so this should be kind of fun. I want to begin with this first big idea, which will grow into the second one, and that is just understanding that God made me to make a difference. So that sounds great, doesn't it? Makes you feel good. It's something that you can tweet or you can quote, that God made me to make a difference. Yay! Go God, that's wonderful. What does that actually mean though? To fully understand that God made me to make a difference, what does that actually mean? And that's what is going to take us back to the text, 1 Timothy chapter four, 
And I want to begin reading verse 12 again and just define some words that are here because this is how we begin to know that God made me to make a difference. Okay, verse 12. Here's what Paul, the wise apostle, is saying to a young leader. Timothy, don't let anyone think less. And that phrase there in the construction of the sentence means don't let anybody despise you. Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you. Don't let anyone think less of you or despise you or hate you or look down on you because you are young. Greek culture, and that would have been the culture that Paul was writing into here. Greek culture valued age and experience. If you were young, you were out. Age and experience was everything, and Timothy didn't have that. And because he was young in the eyes of that particular culture, it would have been easy, maybe even normal for them, to look down on Timothy as a leader in the church and to despise him and even to hate him. That's just a cultural reality. And whenever studying scripture, we have to know the purpose of every book. We also have to understand what's happening in the culture to which this is written. Paul's writing to Timothy. And in this Greek culture, age and experience is something that was desired. If you were young, that was not a great thing. And that's Timothy. And so Paul begins to write to him to say, there's another way, Timothy, we're going to have to come at this. We're going to acknowledge the cultural reality. Everybody thinks you're young. They're looking down on you. They might even despise you because of your age. So we're going to think about having impact in another way. We're going to attempt to do that through your godly behavior. And we're going to let that win the day. So don't let anyone think less. Don't let anyone despise you because you are young. And here's what Paul begins to say. Timothy, do this. Do this. And this is written to a specific person, but I think there's broad application for all followers of Jesus. So this isn't something just for Timothy. I think this is something for all of us. Whether we're young, in the middle years, or in our senior years, here's great information and a purpose for all of us. Ready? Be an example. And that word example means image or model or pattern. So, Timothy, you're young. People look down on you in the culture. So I need you to be an image. I need you to be a model. I need you to be a pattern. We also have a picture there of a visible scar. You know, if you have a scar, that is something that you can easily identify. And that's the picture here. Be a image. Be a model. Be a pattern. Be an example to all believers. Not just to some But with your life, be this image, be this pattern, be this model for all believers. So I want to review our first big idea, and that is God made me to make a difference. I think the question becomes, how do you implement that? And that takes us to our second big idea. Here it is. Part two, be an example to all believers. Okay, we're taking that right out of verse 12. God made me to make a difference. Here's how you do that. Big idea part two, be an example to all believers. Now I think you have to ask the question, how do you do that? 
How can I be an example to all believers? Whether I'm young, in the middle years, or in those senior years, how do I actually do that? Well, here's where Paul gets really practical, and he makes it easy for us. He outlines it, and it's beautiful. Two ways. Number one, in what you say. It's verse 12. Be an example to all believers in what you say. So with your words... And with your statements, be an example to others. This was written a long time ago. Is there any more practical information we may need in our day than to consider with what you say, your words, and your statements? Be careful about that. Right? Is that needed? So Paul says, be an example in what you say. And then here's the second way in the way that you live, your conduct or your behavior. And then Paul breaks that down by saying, here's three focus areas. In the way you live with your love, with your faith, and with your purity. That's how you can be an example, with your service, with your commitment, and with your purity. And I believe Paul is talking about sexual purity here. Here's how you can make a difference, Timothy. And here's what I want for you as you lead this church. Be an example with what you say, your words and your statements, and be an example with the way that you live, with your conduct and with your behavior. In your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Again, not just information for a young leader in the city of Ephesus. I think the pattern of scripture is that we all who follow Jesus should be setting an example with what we say and with how we live. (laughs) Now that almost seems too simple, too easy. But I will submit to you that God made us for a purpose. He made us on purpose in his image. He loves us. He sent his only son for us. So we were made on purpose, but we were also made for a purpose. And if you're wondering about your purpose at all, would you just grab this information and say, here's God's purpose for me. He wants me to be an example to all people in what I say, my words, my conversations, all of that matters. And not just with what I say, but with how I live, with my commitments and my purity and how I interact with others. This is God's purpose for me to be an example. Now, outside of this just being fantastic, biblical encouragement to be an example to others with what you say and with how you live, even if you don't believe in God or you're not sure if patterning your life after Jesus is really the best way to live. And maybe you're just not sure about that. By the way, if you feel that way, I want to say welcome to Valley Point Church. I'm glad that you're here. And you need to know that this is a safe place for you to investigate and for you to question. It really is. So even if you're not sure about God and you're not sure about living your life like Jesus, I think we can all agree that if we are an example to all people with what we say and with how we live, that this improves humanity. 
I think we can all agree with that. And that's just a truthful thing. But for believers in Jesus, what we see demonstrated over and over and over again throughout Scripture is that we need to be an example with our words and with how we live. And God made us to do these things on purpose. So a great challenge for us. And I want to suggest a a phrase to you that perhaps makes sense of all of this. It's a word I want you to remember as you think about how God has made you for a purpose. And here's the phrase. Winsome love. As we think about the people around us and where we live, work, and play, what kind of difference could winsome love make? Not arrogant love that has all of the answers. Not a better than love. Not a prideful love. But a winsome kind of love that invites other people into our lives because we are setting an example with our words and with our actions. Author and scholar Ed Stetzer wrote a book recently called Christians in the Age of Outrage. It's a great title, isn't it? And the subtitle is How to Bring Out Our Best When the World is at Its Worst. And he describes winsome love this way. He says, winsome love moves away from disgust, pride, and outrage to empathy, humility, and imago de love. Back in week one, I introduced this Latin phrase, Imago Dei. It means in the image of God. That's how we are created. On purpose, in the image of God, and with our lives, we can actually image him. That's what that means, Imago Dei. So winsome love, again, it's not arrogant, it's not better than, it moves us away from those things, disgust, pride, and outrage too. Empathy, humility, and this image of God type of love. We engage our culture with compassion for our fellow man and a self-aware acknowledgement of our need for mercy and grace. Winsome love is humble and it's recognizing that with my life, I have this purpose of being an example with what I say and with how I live. Okay, it's story time. I tried to think of a practical illustration to maybe bring this home. And I began to think of ways that I don't always practice winsome love. And so God began to point some things out to me. And one of those areas where I have, I have struggled is driving. So I like to use the horn. Anybody horn users? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's not winsome love because I think actually people need that occasionally. You know, when you're in the left lane and somebody's really poking and, you know, they need to go, they they need a little horn. Let's move on, get out of the way because I have places to go and people to see. And sometimes you see people looking around or they're at the stoplight or the stop sign and you can tell they're looking at their phone and so they need a little love noise from the person behind them in order, you know, let's go, come on, let's move it along. So I like using the horn. I think it's a great tool on the car. But here's the challenge. The longer I have lived here, 
it seems that every time I want to use the horn, I actually know the person in the car in front of me. So all of a sudden, like, oh, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. They're going to be mad at me, and I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have winsome love. You can't use your horn. So I've tried to duck my head a couple of times when I've realized that's a person who comes to Valley Point, and oh, my goodness. So here's the deal. I, Monday through Friday, take the kids to school, and I drop them off. And if you're a part of that world as a mom or a dad or a caretaker, you know that the pickup and drop-off lines at school really is its own anthropological study. And there's just a lot that happens in those lines that can drive you crazy. So I have worked with my kids to know we're in the pickup line. We have to be efficient. So when we get to a certain point, seatbelts off, and get your bags in your hands, because when we pull up, you got to open the door, and you got to get out so the people behind us do not honk or get mad or think that there's something wrong with this car and this family. So let's be really efficient. Get out of the car. Have a wonderful day. I love you. I'll see you a little bit later. But we got we to keep this thing moving, because you know what it's like when you've been in the line, and the person in front of you, the door is open, and then the trunk pops. Like, uh, this is a nightmare. And we've got instruments coming out of the back and posters for projects. It's a nightmare. So let's be really efficient here. Well, there was a day a couple of months ago where I'm in line and I'm dropping off a couple of the kids and one of my kids, who I will allow to remain nameless, had a hard time getting their bag. It was stuck on something. And so the door's open and I'm waving and they're not exiting. I'm like, you, you got to go. You got you to gotta get out. Come on. There's people behind us. And the child was getting upset. Oh, my bag is stuck and I, I can't get out. And we're yelling at each other. It was a great, sweet family moment of winsome love. I'm like, you got to come on. There's people. And they finally made their way out of the car. While they were doing that, I look in my rearview mirror and there's a person behind me going like this. <laughs> and I get it. I don't want to be that person. But as I looked in the rearview mirror, I realized this is a person who comes to Valley Point Church. <laughs> so then I, I kind of felt bad. I'm like, I'm ducking my head. I, I hope they don't recognize me or recognize my kids. That would be really embarrassing. But even if they did, that's okay because the pickup line is a great opportunity to practice winsome love. Winsome love. I don't know what that area is for you. But I think we want to consider how with our words and with our actions, with our lives, winsome love becomes a pattern for us. I believe if you are young or middle-aged or even in your senior years, if we live this way, we're going to have a great impact on the people around us. Let me give you two takeaways and then I'll pray. Number one, be an example. Okay, in your blank there is Micah 6.8. So what does it mean? We've talked about some things here. Paul says, hey, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity, and we can certainly adopt that as well, and we should, but I want to remind you about Micah chapter 6, verse 8. That's our church life verse. By the way, it's hanging on the wall now, and that's a visible reminder every time we walk in the doors that here's what God wants for us. So Micah chapter 6, verse 8, here's how we can be an example. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does he want? 
to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I think if we embrace that, our verse as a church, if we act justly with everybody, if we love mercy, compassion, and if we walk humbly with our God, we're going to be an example for a lot of people, regardless of our age. So be an example and remember our church-wide life verse. And then secondly, embrace winsome love for all. Winsome love, not an arrogant love, not a better than love, but a winsome love for all people that transcends what may be happening in culture. So God made me on purpose. He loves me enough that he sent his only son and we are made in his image. He made us on purpose and he made us for a purpose to be an example to all people and to give winsome love to all. May God give us the courage and the strength to live that way this week. Will you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for these words from the Apostle Paul given many years ago yet still appropriate for us today. I believe very appropriate for Valley Point Church and for what's happening inside this room, what's happening outside of this room. God, there are so many opportunities that we all face where we can lash out and seek revenge, to poke. And sometimes maybe we even have a right to do that. God, I believe through the words of the Apostle Paul to a young leader in the church, you're encouraging all of us to be an example. No matter how young we may be or how old, just to be an example with what we say and with how we live. God, my confession to you today is that I don't often move with winsome love. And so I pray that you'd help me this week to give winsome love to all, to all. And I pray that for our church, where we live, work, and play. Help us to be that kind of example and to have winsome love that impacts culture, even when it's going crazy. I think it can work. And it's what you want for us. That's your purpose for us. So help us all to walk out of here in just a few moments, understanding that God created me on purpose. I'm not a mistake. God loves me and I'm made in his image. And God made me for a purpose, to be an example for all. Help us to live that way. And God, as I close, I want to lift up the country of New Zealand and the city of Christ Church. There are individuals there made in your image who lost their lives because of hatred. And what a tragic thing. And it's hard to understand and really impossible to describe. So God, I I just place that at your feet.
and ask that you would help that country and that city heal and that you would comfort all those impacted. God, may that be a reminder to us that our words matter and our actions matter. So help us as a faith community as we exit to be an example with what we say and with how we live. Prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.